Hi, this is Ronald Fisher, lead pastor of Second City Church here in Chicago, Illinois, and we hope that you're well. Welcome to our online service. We hope you leave today encouraged, full of faith, and ready to take the kingdom of God wherever you may go. We're so glad that you chose to join us today, and once again, welcome. Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Second City Church. My name is Cole Parler. I'm associate pastor here at the church, along with Pastor Rollin Fisher. He's the lead pastor. He's usually the one you're going to see up here giving the messages on Sunday mornings. But I'm so excited to be able to share with you something that God's put on my heart uh, today as we continue in the sermon series, The God Who Is. So if you've been with us the past five weeks, you know that we're on the series, The God Who Is. So I want to recap with you real quick the things that God has taught us about who He is his unchanging nature. And so we have learned that, number one, he is the God who is the meaning of life. Without him, there is no meaning to this thing we live called life. Number two, he is the God of all compassion. Number three, he is love and truth. He is a rewarder. And five, he is, as last week we learned, the alpha and the omega, the being and the end. So this week, we're going to learn about the God who is a builder. I'm going to say it again. The God who is a builder. The God who builds things. And so what we're going to focus on today, this is what I want you to take home, is that we will come to know the God who is when we recognize him as a builder. We must recognize God as who he is and not who we make him out to be, not who we build him to be. So in order to recognize God as a builder, or as we'll come to learn, the builder, there are three main points from the prophet Haggai. Yes, that's where we're going to be reading from today, the prophet Haggai. We're going to focus on three. Number one, when God is primary. Number two, when God builds. And number three, then he blesses. So number one, when God is primary. Number two, when God builds. Number three, then he blesses. So to understand God's message through the prophetic Old Testament book of Haggai, we must understand who wrote it, who he wrote it to, and why he wrote it to them. So as we do this, God will open our eyes by his Holy Spirit, um, and we'll be able to understand the message that he has for us. So let's take just a moment and let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of your written word. We thank you for the book of Haggai. Lord, we ask that your intended message to your people then and today would be made known to us as we read your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, okay, guys, so a little bit about the background of the prophetic book of Haggai from the Old Testament. So Haggai is one of the shortest books of the Bible. It consists of only two chapters, and those two chapters are filled with only 38 verses altogether. It's found in the Old Testament, and it was written by the prophet Haggai, which is its namesake, in the year 520 BC. Now, who was it written to? It was written to the leaders, as well as the remnant of Israel who had just returned from exile in Babylon. So God had brought them back from exile. They had begun to build the temple to restore God's presence as they did that. And then they stopped, okay? So that's very important that we know. The name Haggai, it's really cool. It actually means festival, as in festival. And it can also be translated my holiday. So God is actually setting us up for feasting on his word. 
and feasting on the restored presence and restored relationship through building what he is building, building his temple so that he can have pleasure and glory in the presence of his people. And so now we're going to read from Haggai chapter 1, verses 1 through 11, and we're going to make it all the way through by the time we get done today through the first chapter of Haggai. So join with me in the reading of God's word. In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet to Zerubbabel the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua the son of Jehozadak the high priest. Thus says the Lord of hosts, These people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai the prophet. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses, while this house lies in ruins? Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. Go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much and behold, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins. While each of you busies himself with his own house, therefore the heavens above you have withheld the dew and the earth has withheld its produce. So this leads us into point number one, when God is primary. So we must ask, what does it mean to be primary? We don't use that word a lot. So to be primary is simply to be first. It means to not be a derivative of anything. Think primary colors. I'm not an artist, so I went to Crayola.com. And here's what Crayola.com says. Quote, primary colors cannot be mixed from other colors. They are the source of all other colors. So God, as well as the primary colors, God is the source from which all else flows. He is the original, we could say. He is the first cause of and reason for all things. Now, without God, the creator, as primary, there is no creation. There is no other source from which to flow from. He's the only source. There is nothing that is without God being because he is primary. Therefore, this is really important. I want you to focus in. Therefore, be assured, we as humans do not make God primary. God is primary. It's who he is. If he's not primary, he's not God. Be relieved. You don't have to make God anything. Doesn't that set you free? Doesn't that bring you peace? That you just have to recognize and surrender to who God is. I love what he told Moses in Exodus 3.14. He said, I am. That should set you free. He already is. If you're a spiritual seeker, you can rest in your seeking because he has revealed who he is. And we're going to talk about that a little bit later, but you can rest just because he is and he changeth not, says his word. Now, going on from there, if you've surrendered to that, you'll have peace. 
But as we read in 38 verses of the short two-chapter book, 14 of those 38 verses use this phrase, the Lord of hosts. This does not mean the boss of the people who take you to your seat in restaurants. I worked in lots of restaurants, so I was a host. <laughs> it does not mean that. But what it means is the Lord Almighty. And I love how the New Living Translation translates it. It's the easiest to understand for me. He is the Lord of heaven's armies. He has all the resources of heaven at his command, at his command because he is primary. He is the source of all these things. Now, as we read Haggai, we see that God is not only the Almighty, but he's without comparison. We read that God is sovereign over, there's a couple of things here, man's fruitfulness despite his labor, nature, the nations, moving people's hearts, as well as building up and tearing down kingdoms. God will have his way. God is sovereign and almighty because he is primary. He's the source. He's the original. He is the thing from which all else flows. Now, Haggai is saying that because God is primary, that the word he is delivering is not his word as the prophet, but it is the command of the God who is primary. So what we learn from this is that because God is primary, his words are not just advice. His words are commands. And I thank God that he is good and benevolent because he's always wanting what is best for us, which will also bring him glory. So the question for us today is this, do we honor God as he is, as primary, as first? Do we allow his word and commands to order and prioritize our lives? That would be our time, our relationships, our work, and our money. And then do we build what he is building? Do we see him as the source and sustainer, and therefore we want to join in with what he is doing, knowing it's the only thing that will last? Well, that leads us into our next point, when God builds. So when does God build? Well, this sounds like a question of timing, but it's not. It's a question of circumstance. Let's see what Haggai says to the exiles who God faithfully restored back to the promised land about when he is building. So God builds whenever his pleasure, his presence, and his glory are missing or lacking. As you remember, the Lord said in Haggai, I want you to go get wood. I want you to build my house so that I may take pleasure in it. His pleasure was lacking so that I may be glorified. His glory was missing. So when does God build? He builds when there is no pleasure. He builds when his glory is lacking. And remember, when those things are lacking, we don't find our purpose either. And so God wants to build whenever those things are lacking. If you consider your ways, if you look at your life, where God's presence, where God's pleasure, where his glory is lacking, he wants to do something there. Isn't that exciting? So um, let's see. This is what Haggai means when he says that God's house is, quote, lying in ruins. The temple or God's house at that time was where God had promised to manifest his presence and out of that blesses people where his presence is, is where his blessing is. So 
what brings God glory, pleasure, and also invites his manifest presence today like the temple did then, it's when he is primary in our hearts and our lives. It is when Jesus is Lord in our heart. God longs to be present where he is welcome, where Jesus is welcome, and he longs to bless that place and that people. Therefore, God asked this question to his people, the Israelites, in 520 BC, and also to us today. Is it a time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses? And for us today, in our luxurious homes, in uh, the things that we're building, while his house, meaning his church, his people, the place where he wants to manifest his glory and his presence, while his house lies in ruins, is neglected. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways, or for us today, look at what your life is and what it is currently producing. You have sown much and harvested little. For us today, you have worked so hard, and do you have so little to show for it? You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does so to put them into a bag with holes. And for us today, though you work night and day to meet your basic needs or and your goals, something always comes and just to empty your bank account. And I have called for a drought on the land and the hills, on the grain, the new wine, the oil, on what the ground brings forth, on man and beast, and on all their labors. Now, what we learn from this is that when we are in error, when our lives are out of order, not prioritized right, due to not being arranged around God in the building of His kingdom and His church, which is what He is building, God cannot bless the work of our hands or our labors. So, Jesus promised, this is a promise. If we seek first the kingdom of God as primary, then all the things that the pagans, meaning the unbelievers, those that are not seeking the God of heaven, all the things that they chase after, which are mentioned above in the Haggai scripture that we were talking about, those things will be added to us when we seek the kingdom first. Now, this is not the prosperity gospel because Jesus made it clear that along with the blessing, that there would be persecution because the obtaining of the blessing would be by abiding in Christ and building righteously. So this is not the prosperity gospel. God wants to bless his people when they build what he is building and when they do it righteously. Now, we must build what God is building when he is building it. So thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Well, I want to tell you today, people of God, that God is building now. What is he building? God is building something that can host the pre his presence on earth. He's building the church of Jesus Christ. The church is the temple of God. Each life that has heard and received the truth of God in Jesus Christ is a brick in that building, that temple where his presence is. Now, what has God alone built without human help? He has built what those who have not considered the outcome of their ways have rejected. Jesus said to them, 
Have you never read in the Scriptures the stone that the builders, meaning humans, have rejected because they were building their own things? The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, the most important stone that holds all the way to the building. This was the Lord's doing, and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore, I tell you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people producing its fruits. I love that. This is what the Lord's doing is. This is why the Lord asks us to consider our ways. God is the builder. He has placed the cornerstone and that is his doing. He laid it and this cornerstone to be crystal clear is Jesus Christ. And he cannot be removed for the Lord has laid him as the foundation of his building. This cornerstone can only be built on. That's the only thing you can do with it. You can accept it or you can stumble over it or you can build on it. And this is why it is marvelous in our eyes. Jesus Christ is a marvel, and I hope you can see that today. The question for us today is not, have you worked and laid the cornerstone of Jesus in your life? The question is, since God has laid the cornerstone in his building, is he marvelous in your eyes? Now, when what God has built is marvelous in your eyes, you will want to build with him. And this is how you start building with God. This is the foundation of building with God. John 6, 28 through 29 tells us, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? What must we do to be building with God? And Jesus answered them. These are the words of Jesus. This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Or we could say, and he is marvelous in your eyes, this Jesus Christ at the cornerstone that has been laid. Point three, when we have all of this together, God is primary. When he builds and we get that, then he blesses. Now, when the cornerstone of Christ is marvelous in our eyes, we can then by faith in Christ alone, build with God on that eternal cornerstone that he has laid. Now, after we have considered our ways, and turn from building apart from God, that would be repenting of building our own lives and our own kingdoms. We can do what Haggai 1.8 says. We can obey the Lord and go up to the hills and bring wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it and that I may be glorified, says the Lord. Now, as we commit our lives to build with God on the cornerstone of Christ, he will do among us what he did among the Israelites back then. So let's read Haggai 1, 12 through 15, which says, Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, so we could say the whole church, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the messenger of the Lord, spoke to the people with the Lord's message. And here you go. He says, I am with you, declares the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. He stirred up the spirit of the leaders and the whole church. And they came and they worked on the house of the Lord of hosts, their God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of Darius the king. Now, 
today, together, we are to build what the Apostle Paul spoke of to the believers in Corinth. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 16, Paul said, For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field, God's building. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it. And Paul's talking about the day that Jesus returns to save those who are waiting for him, to bring a reward, but also to bring judgment to those that have rejected him. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him, for God's temple is holy and you are that temple, the church of Jesus Christ. You, if you're a part of that, you are holy and is precious to God. Now, this is the prophetic word that the Lord has for us at Second City Church. Are you ready? We're moving on to Haggai 2, 3 through 9, which says, Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. And here we go. Be strong, all you people of the land, which means be strong, all you church, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. He is with us as we are building his church with him. Who is left among you who saw this house in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? According to the covenant that I made with you when you came out of Egypt, my spirit remains in your midst. Fear not. The Lord is with us, and we do not have to fear when we're working with him. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once more, in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations, so that the treasure of all nations shall come in, and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine and the gold is mine, declares the Lord of hosts. And what he is saying to us is not that he's bringing money into the house necessarily, but that he is going to bring the souls of the lost into this house. He's going to bring in uh, men and women and children that do not know him so that they can begin a new life on the foundation of Jesus Christ. And we have to be prepared. And he is with us as we do the work. He says, the latter glory of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts. And here we go. You ready? And in this place, I will give peace, declares the Lord. When we are doing the Lord's work, he blesses us primarily with his peace. And so today you can choose peace by choosing to build on the foundation and work with him. So today is the day of salvation. 
God wants to build your life. If you have not yet surrendered to the Lord God as primary and to Jesus Christ as Lord and foundation of your life as the cornerstone, who wants to take away your sins, he wants to give you his righteousness, will you pray with me today to receive him as Lord and Savior as you repent of building your own house and trust him? And then there's a second group of people out there. Have you made Jesus of your life, but like the people of Haggai's day, you, quote, have been busy with your own house at the neglect of God's house, the neglect of God's church? Will you repent and work with him building what he is building, making a way for him to bless the work of your hands along the way? If you're either one of those, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray for my friends here that don't know you, that have not seen Jesus as marvelous until today. But today they say, I receive your perfect life in my place. I receive your sacrifice for my sins. And I believe that God raised you from the dead. And I want to be ready when you return. Well, we ask that as they repent of their sins and turn to Jesus Christ in faith, that you would bless them today with your spirit and they'd be born again and set on a new track, building the life that you're building. And then, Lord, I pray for my friends that have been walking with you, but they've lost their step, God. They've been discouraged, oppression, Lord, and they've neglected your house, Lord, and have been building their own houses. God, we ask that as they repent, that you would refresh them right now, and that you fulfill your promise that you're with them, Lord, and help them as they start again, God. We love you and we trust that you will do this all in Jesus' name for your glory. Amen. Well, friends, if you're either one of those people today, we want you to go down and click the button down in the chat box that says, I commit my life to Jesus because we want to follow up with you. We want to help get some materials into your hands and help you begin to build with him. And you can also go to secondcitychurch.com slash new life, where you can also fill out some information and we can get in touch with you and help you begin this walk with Jesus, the marvelous one. So we hope to see you this week in our community groups. Let's go in the fear and knowledge of the Lord, honoring him for all who he is and all that he's done for us. And let's bring a friend next week who also needs to hear this good news of Jesus Christ. God bless you and we'll see you then.